In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It's easy to miss the full significance of Jesus walking on the water. We have no problem recognizing the miraculous nature of the event. The ability to walk on water is clearly something we as humans do not possess. Taken at face value, the story of Jesus advancing over the deep early on that dark Galilean morning is astonishing. But Jesus isn't a wonder worker who enjoys impressing his followers with meaningless tricks. He's not a magician. His actions are carefully chosen to reveal who he is and the one who sent him. As Jesus walks across the sea that stormy morning, he reveals himself as nothing less than the divine creator returning to recover his embattled creation from the forces of destruction and chaos. The one who hovered over the primordial waters in the beginning again moves across the water. It's no wonder our passage concludes with the disciples prostrating before Jesus. They glimpse the significance of what Jesus is disclosing, that he is their creator and savior. Falling down in worship is the only possible response. To better understand the meaning of what transpires early that morning, we must understand how the scriptures conceive of this sea. For the Israelites and for many ancient peoples, the sea is the realm of chaos. The sea is a dangerous and threatening presence. The Hebrew word for sea is closely related to an earlier Semitic word, which names a primordial sea dragon lurking in deep waters. The sea is full of peril, but ultimately under the authority of God. Elsewhere in Scripture, the Lord tells Job that it was he who prescribed the bounds of the sea and shut up the sea with doors. It was he who stretched out the heavens and trampled back the waves of the sea and told the waters, thus far you shall come and no farther. Here shall your proud waves be stayed. The psalmist meditates on the greatness of God and recalls how when the waters saw thee, O God, when the waters saw thee, they were afraid. Yea, the deep trembled. It was God who molded the dry land and measured out the sea. Again, the psalmist declares, The voice of the Lord is on the waters. It is the Lord that ruleth the sea. The voice of the Lord is mighty in operation. Only God can reign in this powerful and destructive force. Only he has the authority. When Jesus tramples down the waves as he walks towards the disciples' weather-beaten boat, he is fulfilling the psalmist's words. He is the very one who has authority over the sea. 
He is the one who tames the waters in the beginning and stills the seas with the sound of his voice. His divine presence brings chaos and destruction to its knees. Elsewhere in the Gospels, St. Luke records the disciples frantically waking up Jesus as their boat fills with water. Master, Master, we perish, the disciples cry. Then Jesus arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. Job's words echo in our ears, Here shall your proud waves be stayed. When the waters saw thee, when the waters saw thee, they were afraid. Following the shock of Jesus' miracle that morning, these scriptures no doubt flood the minds of his disciples. They are in the presence of their creator. They are also in the presence of their savior. Jesus reaches down into the dark tumult and brings Peter into the boat. He saves his disciples from the perilous sea. When reading such passages, it's easy to get lost in the rich symbolism and forget that this actually happened. Jesus saves Peter from drowning in the dark waters of Galilee. Jesus, standing atop the waves, grasps hold of the sinking Peter. Any attempt to go out and meet Christ will be rewarded with his saving grasp. And Peter finds this out in the most literal way. Peter's wonderful impulsiveness and his intense desire to be near the Lord, even if it means his annihilation, beautifully illustrates how all Christians should relate to Christ. Peter's singular focus on Christ allows him to bracket out the swirling wind and raging waves. His desire to be near Christ reigns supreme, as it should for all of us. Regardless of what's going on in our lives, whether it's financial woes, unemployment, sickness, or fear of sickness, addiction, or whatever, our eyes should be trained on Christ. Christ is the only one that can make the water solid under our feet. One commentator writes that Peter is driven by wild desire for Jesus. And he is a pioneer of the recklessness every disciple should exercise in order to be with the Lord. He continues, Peter's love of Jesus can be gauged by the fact that the emotion of joy at the beloved's presence has swallowed up in Peter's soul the fear of annihilation. Of course, Peter isn't perfect. He takes his eyes off of Christ, his faith falters. But even as he sinks into the waters of doubt, he models the right Christian response, which is, Lord, save me. We should all work to cultivate his reckless desire to be with Christ. Peter's desire to be near Jesus is present throughout the Gospels. He is the paradigmatic example of Christian desire. 
Peter's longing for Christ even compels him to follow Jesus on the night in which he was handed over to suffering and death. Peter follows him all the way to the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest, where he warms himself by a charcoal fire as Jesus is interrogated inside. Peter's faith, as we know, falters again. He denies Christ three times. But it's his burning desire to be where Jesus is that makes him such a powerful example for all Christians. You see, Christ does not demand perfection, but that we desire him. Our passage this morning isn't the last time Peter will leap from a boat to be close to Jesus. At the end of John's gospel, the risen Christ is cooking fish over a charcoal fire on the shores of Galilee. Disciples are fishing the waters at daybreak, and Jesus miraculously fills their nets. We read, Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisherman's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Peter again throws himself into the sea to be near Christ. When Peter's faith falters on that stormy morning, Jesus brings him back to the boat. His faith needs strengthening. It needs to be fortified by the community of Christ. From the earliest times, the boat in our passage has been understood to represent the church, battered by the wind and waves of the world. It's a place where Christ is worshipped despite the chaos engulfing it. Even Peter, the rock of the church, needs the church to grow in his faith, and we certainly do as well. The church is where we begin to shed off the old self and put on the new self. It's a place of preparation. It's a place where we prepare to meet the bridegroom at the end of time. So let us now prepare our hearts and minds to draw near to our Creator and Savior in the Holy Eucharist. Let us imitate Peter's holy yearning for Christ by casting aside our fears and drawing near to the mystery of Christ's presence. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.